0: Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com.
1: Last week, we started a series on worship. And if you haven't um, had a chance to go back and catch that one, it's because I haven't put it up yet. So don't worry, but I want to encourage you um, starting tomorrow. It'll be up and available on the podcast. To go back and catch it, um, because we we're talking about what worship really is from a biblical stance. In our American culture, people think that worship is the music that happens before and after a service. You know, the, the fast songs or the praise songs, the slow songs or the worship songs, and then people are invited to join in and worship at the end of the service, right? So, and what, what this does is it creates this misconception about what worship really is. And so we 're looking at it from a biblical perspective, because, as we talked about last week, worship has nothing to do with music. Music is a tool and an avenue to express a heart of worship, but it is not in and of itself worship. If you think songs and music are worship, then we say things that don 't make sense, like i didn 't really feel it in worship today i didn 't really i didn 't really like worship today i didn 't really um enjoy the worship today, or worship really got me today. But well, what you're saying is you had a response or a memory from the tool of music, but that has nothing to do with if you really worship. Worship is, um, that's what we're going through on this series. It's divided into three categories because the Bible uses, anybody remember how many words from last week? How many words the Bible uses for our one English word of worship? 16. The Bible uses 16 different words for our one English word of worship. And so a lot, of those, a lot of those definitions are very similar, and so what I've done, I've broken them down into three categories. Last week, we talked about the first one, and it's the first line in your notes, category one, submission. I really encourage you to go back and catch that message on the podcast, <clears throat> submission. This week, we're going to talk about the second category, which is honor, honor. I want to start by reading Hebrews nine thirteen through 14 to us, okay? <clears throat> Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to us as a perfect sacrifice at, for our sins. Now, if we put our traditional view of our Americanized view of worship in there, when you read this, it looks like just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful de- deeds so that we can sing the slow songs on Sundays to the living God. Doesn't make sense, right? Doesn't make sense. <clears throat> what this word is, is I've written it in your, in your notes, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't really speak Greek very well, but um, latriou, latriou, this word, that's the word right here used for worship. It's a different word than was used last week for submission. This word has a couple definitions that lead us to honor, so we're going to talk about those definitions real quick, all right? The first definition is of this word worship Latriu, is to show public respect or reverence public respect or reverence okay <clears throat> when we talk about respect here's what i'm referencing okay next on your notes we respect someone we admire them or hold them in high regard for their abilities qualities or achievements i'll do i'll say that again If we respect someone, we admire them or hold them in high regard for their abilities, their qualities, or their achievements. So here's how that kind of plays out in real life. So if the greatest basketball player ever to live were to walk in the door, all of us would scream, oh my gosh, there's Kobe Bryant, because we all know that he is better than LeBron, right? Um, If you say Michael, but you know, it will be okay. I'll let you get away with that one but it's either Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. If the two greatest basketball players ever to live walked in the door, we would say, oh my gosh, there's Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, right? Um, And you would see us run over to him and be like, hey, can I take a picture? Can I get a selfie? Dude, it was awesome watching you do X, Y, and Z and win the championships, the dunk contest and all that kind of stuff. We would kind of freak out. And why would we freak out? Because we have an admiration for their ability their God-given ability, they maximize that ability, they practice hard and all that kind of stuff, but we look at their ability and go, man, no one else can do it like you do it, so we, we love their ability, so we hold them in high regard, we like their qualities, their hard work, their work ethic, um, a lot of people will refer to it as mamba mentality, You know, going the extra mile, working harder than everybody else, showing up before everyone showed up in practice, staying later than everybody in practice. They call it the Mamba mentality, go, go get it, go, you know, kind of that killer instinct. That's the quality that we admire. And then achievements, more titles than LeBron, both of them, by the way, if I'm just, you know, being honest, um, they got more titles and more MVPs and more, you know, defensive player of the year and more awards and more trophies and more all-star game MVPs and all this kind of stuff, right? We look at their abilities, their qualities, and their achievements. And those things, if we, if we understand how hard it is to play basketball, especially in the NBA, if, you know, if, if we look at how hard they worked and how much they have achieved, you put those together, you look at them and go, man, I have a high regard for these people. I have a respect for them that I don't have for just everybody else. as a, um, another group of people that we can have respect for are Dallas Cowboys fans. The reason we can respect them is because they cheer every year like they've won, and it's been 30 stinking years since they've never won anything, right? But they still cheer. He is, like, shooting daggers at me right now because he's kind of a impromptu a Cowboys fan. But um, they haven't won anything, and they keep going, we them boys or whatever, you know? Like, they just be in the middle of a game that don't even matter to them. We them boys, I'm like, shut up, man. Now I'm kind of poking, I'm, I'm poking fun, right? But it's, it's, this is the, the, the quality, we look at something, we revere it and, and we treat it differently. So,
0: who is somebody that you
1: respect? Who is somebody that you look at and go, man, Respect them for what they've done, their qualities, their abilities. I, I, got, I left you a blank there for you so you can write it down. You can write their title down. It could be dad. It could be mom. It could be an extended family member. It could be a spouse. It could be a coach. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. It could be anybody. But somebody that you look at and go, man, I have this high regard for them. You may not even know them very well, but you have a high regard for them. So, now let me ask you a question. With that person in mind, how do we act when we engage with someone we admire or hold in high regard? How do we act with someone that we respect? I had an immense amount of respect and love for my dad, passed away. uh, This year will be 20 years in September that he's been gone. It didn't end his life very well. I've been pretty open and transparent about his struggles. Um, but while I was under his roof, and for the majority of the time he was alive, he made sacrifices for, for his family, that included me, that I would never fully understand until I had a family of my own. Ever looked back on your childhood, those of you who are a little bit older, and go, man, I never missed a meal, I always had a roof over my head, I had a ride to school in some way, shape, or form, or I got to the bus somehow, i always had clothes and shoes, they might've been in the nicest or whatever. And now you're in the position to provide that for your family and go, whoop, man, my respect level just went up a couple notches for my mom, my dad, or whoever raised me. Ever had that moment? I had that moment with him when he would, when he would you know, come and visit. It wasn't often because he was in Florida and I'm here in Phoenix, you know, and or whenever he would call me um, or page me, if you don't know what a pager is, you miss the good days (laughs) where (laughs) you weren't always accessible. They would beep or chime. My dad's first pager pager was a voice pager. And this is totally just because I'm old. Uh, They would would go beep, beep, beep. And they would have 10 seconds to say something and you couldn't replay it. So you had to have a pen and a piece of paper with you at every point because there was no taking notes on your phone. It would be like, hey Matt, this is dad. I want you to call me, but I'm not at the right number. I'm at 602-555-12. (laughs) <laughs> he'd call it back to 4-8, you know, give you a second, give you a second page, right? And now it seem so archaic. But back then when, it might, when, when the phone would buzz and it was dad, I would be like, ooh, because I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to, I talked to him several times a week. I would go to the grocery store and just call him. And because I had a high level of respect for him, and the older I got, my respect level went up. Because of the sacrifices I knew that he made, the things that he endured, the way that he kind <clears> of <throat> dealt with us as kids and the way he raised us, my respect for him went up. Everybody's probably got a family member that you respect, but I also from a you probably have a professional person that you might look up to as well. From a ministry perspective, I've got several guys I've looked up to over the years. One of them is a biblical scholar named Michael Heiser. He passed away, unfortunately, last year, but... He has been his uh, his books and his his classes. He was a professor. He worked for Logos Bible Software for a long time. He's a cultural expert, a language expert. And you might be like, man, that's boring to me, but I geek out on that stuff. It's great for me from a, a pastor and a ministry and a speaker and a studier perspective because he really helped shape some of the things that I I, um, I believe about the Bible because he took me back to the Bible and showed me the cultural context and the language and what this means and really kind of help shed some light on it, help shape my view of scripture and actually how I read through the Bible to this day. I respect people who do apologetics. Apologetics is just a big kind of theological word for people who um, go to places and answer people's questions about the gospel. There's a man named Frank Turek who who runs an organization called Cross-Examined. And He goes to college campuses and he makes a gospel presentation, and then they put open mics on either side of the room, and you can come up and just ask him any question you want. There's part of me that is excited by that, and part of me that kind of freaks out. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I would like to do it one on one, but in an audience full of people and gotcha questions, and you know, atheists coming up or people used to be Christians and turn their back on their childhood faith, come up and start asking him questions, and he stands there and takes the question and responds to them with grace and humility and empathy and gives them a coherent understanding of what the, what the Bible really says. I have a lot of admiration and respect for people like that, and if any of them called me and said, hey, man, want to meet you for coffee in the morning, I think I would be like, uh, 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 okay. Okay. Why? Because I kind of respect them so much. It's like, oh, I'm got, i kind of wrapped up in this. you've, You've done a lot, and it's really impacted me. You don't even know how much it's impacted me. I'd love to sit down and talk to you, and I'd probably talk too much. But if there was somebody I really respected that I wanted to meet, I would set 11 alarms on my phone so I didn't oversleep and make sure that sucker was charged up. I would take my wife's phone and turn alarms on her phone just to make sure I hit it twice in case... My phone blew up in the middle of the night. I didn't want to be late. I'd probably get up and iron my clothes and put out the better stuff that I would wear. And I would go and do all of that because I respect the person I was going to be meeting with. If they walked in the door and wanted to hear me speak, I'd be like, ooh, no, this better be good today. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I respect them so much. As I thought about this, I I was kind of playing out the scenarios in my mind as I was getting ready this week. And I was sitting there and kind of going, man, that would be cool to talk to him. And if Dr. Heiser was still alive, it would be cool to talk to him about this. And, you know, I still got his books that I'm going through and I'm reading those, uh, you know, some of them again, some for the first time. And and that would be cool if I could do this or meet this person and do that. How would I act? And then the natural progression for me was into ask a second question. Not just how would I act when someone I respect walks in the room. The natural question is how do I act when I engage with God? How do I act when I
0: engage with the Lord? How flippant, dismissive am I in prayer?
1: How do I talk about God? How do I talk to him when I'm in prayer? When I don't understand something, do I go to him in prayer and be like, man, what the heck's going on here?
0: This don't make any sense. What are you doing, God? Can't you see that I'm struggling?
1: Can't you see that I'm over here wrestling with something? Don't you see that I have an issue? You said that you provide all my needs and I got a need that ain't met yet. What the heck is going on here? Wait, I I served you and my dad
0: died? I gave you my life
1: and I was the one that got treated that way? I did everything you said and I'm the one that got sick? I did everything that you said and I'm the one that has a problem in my family? Is this what we get for serving you? Is this what I get for giving my life to you? Oh, this is the good thing that you gave me back? Oh, you're a good, good father, right? Where was that?
0: And I know none of you whatever, say that in your prayer time. But every single one of those things was something that came out of my mouth mouth and mine.
1: If I'm honest, I've been upset with the Lord because it didn't go my way. And without realizing it, what I did is I put myself in the position of moral authority and said, explain yourself to me. Had I done that to my dad, people would be helping me up off the floor. (laughs) There was a belt in my future. (laughs) You know what I mean? I could see it coming up in him. I could see his face right now. "Mm." I was a little kid running around my grandma's house in circles down the hall and around the living room, down the hall and around the living room. He told me, stop, 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 stop. Stop. And then like on the sixth time, he just picked me up. My little legs were running in there. Pop, 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 pop. Set me right back down. Don't cry. I told you so. Why? I didn't honor what he said. I had to go back after I got, I don't want to say older, but more mature in my walk with the Lord and look at those things and think, geez how gracious and kind and compassionate and loving God is not to singe my little arrogant behind right off the face of this earth. Because I looked at the creator of the universe when I didn't understand something that happened in my life or didn't go the way I wanted or the relationship didn't unfold the way I thought it should. I didn't get what I thought I deserved. What I, what I, owe, what I showed you I was good. I followed all the rules. Then now I get something bad from you. What the heck is this? And unknowingly, I put myself in the position of you have to answer to me. Ridiculous.
0: I think about the days I didn't get up in the morning. When I promised I would the night before.
1: I can guarantee you I wouldn't have done that to Dr. Heiser. I guarantee you that if he said meet me at eight and I rolled over at eight fifteen and text him, Hey bro, tired this morning, not making it. I'll catch up with you later. Why?
0: Immense respect. I grilled God with so many questions it was like I was dealing with a coworker who was my subordinate.
1: Make up all kinds of excuses when it comes to not submitting to him or doing what he asks for a lack of time spent in his word. But I'd be excited and up at the break of dawn and at that place early, make sure it was open and texting the guy that I really wanted to meet and have respect with and have respect for because hey, I'm here early. Can I can I buy a cup? I'll buy you coffee. What do you want? I'm here early. I'm excited. I'm attentive. I'm awake. I'm ready. My phone's charged. I'm taking notes. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to to walk in. But when God doesn't orchestrate the things how I wanted them, I'm like, doesn't work. But when the admiration and respect that honor rises in my heart to my Lord, that is an act of worship. When my excitement to meet with him is greater than any other excitement I know, it is an act of worship to him. When I decide to follow his commands and not the destructive desires of my flesh because I want to honor the God who miraculously made me and miraculously saved me, it is an act of worship. I think because we live in a culture that encourages you to do what you want and to be honest. There's a bunch of little white kids mouthing off to their parents online and not getting knocked out for it or not knocked out, but you know, corrected. Sorry, not getting corrected for it. <clears throat> right? <laughs> See what I mean? See what I mean? Here we go. Wow. This is why I love, well, this is why I love all the culture in this room. This why I love it. I, I was, we were raised similar. Um, but, but there's a bunch of people who do that. People joke about it, but it's the wildly disrespectful. I never understood why the Bible called out that in the last day, people would be lovers of their own selves. They'd be lovers of their own uh, their, of money. They would chase all these things. They would disrespect their parents. I was like, why didn't I slide that one in there? Does that I mean the rest of them seem a lot, a lot worse? Mm, because you don't disrespect your own father you're probably disrespecting your heavenly father. Why? Because imperfect as your earthly father is, he is a representation of God to you, making sacrifices. But it's not cool to talk about the dad's the hero anymore. It's not cool to talk about the men who rose up and did, made the sacrifice for their family, even though it's unheard of and unheralded. Our culture doesn't celebrate that anymore. And then, and in conjunction, we look and say, God's a father. Why is he got to be a father? Because I don't have a good relationship with mine. So I don't want no father.
0: And what we do is we drift into acceptable
1: disrespect. I could go and talk to my dad. I could express to him my disappointment. I could tell him what was going on in me. I could tell him about the conflict that was going on. I could cry. I could use my personality. I could enjoy his. But there was always a line that I didn't cross. And that line was when I drifted into disrespect. It's funny How when you go back, especially when you get a little bit older, you take a moment to stop and go back and think of all the things that have been done for you. Your respect for people who have done those things for you, even when you didn't know they were doing those things for you, begins to increase. When I think about the the sacrifices my dad made when he would go to, to work, when I think about he would travel and do these expense reports. When I would look at him and have to sit there with when fax machines weren't even a thing yet, and hold a cup on the uh, this, this this rubber cup on top of the the phone to transmit his orders for these this company that he worked for, and he would sit there for sometimes thirty minutes, forty five minutes, hours because it just didn't have a good connection, and he would try to get us all to be quiet and hold that thing there, and just a frustration he had to deal with, and the the inner personal politics of the company he was working at and all the things that he had to do. And we didn't go a lot of places and we didn't have a whole lot of money, but we would he would show up and I had a roof over my head. I began to look at all these things about all these things that he would do, all these ways that he would sacrifice to make sure we were at the church on time, make sure that we were in the youth group all the time. My respect for him began to raise. And so I think that's what we need to do with God is to take some time to remember. What did he do for you? Do you remember which path you were on before Jesus came in and pivoted you? Had he not stepped in, how many of y'all wouldn't even be here? Now I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking a lot. How many of you would be riddled with disease? How many of you would have children that you may or may not know? How many would not even be living here? How many would not even have established your family? How many would be drunk on? Uh, on the on the on the side of a bar somewhere do you remember where you were going do you remember the path that you were on do you remember the road that you were traveling before jesus stepped in and rescued you from that when's the last time we thought about that how he stepped in when i didn't want him not because he answered my prayer. He answered the prayer of somebody else. When I was acting like an ignorant, petulant child, he still rescued me, saved me from things that I didn't know I would even uh, up against, that I was even risking going against because somebody else prayed for me. My grandmother, my father, my mother prayed for me that he stepped in and protected me from things in ways I didn't even know he was there and he still does that and I... Forgot it? I forgot that? I forgot that I had 31 cents left to my name and he pulled us through? I forgot the eviction notice that was on my door at the apartment when I moved back here from Texas? I forgot that I had nothing to do. I had zero money to do anything for Christmas and, show up, and somebody shows up a couple days before and hands me money. I was able to buy my son a gift and have food and, and, and celebrate with everybody. I forgot the fact that the lady that I didn't even know called me and offered me a job because a friend of mine that I didn't know knew her, talked to her, and got opened this door and that door and clicked this lever and that sustained my family for 11 years financially and from a job? Did I forget all of that? Did I forget all of that? Have we forgotten what he did for us? Because if we were to sit here right now and make a whole list, we would run out of time, There's not enough paper in this room and then that would only be the things that you know about, not the things you're going to see at the end when you get to heaven and figure out he has been watching your back as an answer to prayer for your family for decades and you had no clue. No clue. How many times do we stop and just go, you know what, I'm just going to remember today. I'm going to remember today. I'm going to think about it. This is is where the tool of music is inserted. This is the perfect place to insert the tool of music because it should spark something in you, remind you of just how good he's been. Here's what I mean. music is supposed to do. The music is not the worship. The music should remind you of what he's done for you. It should sit right in that moment and all of the times where he rescued you, all of the past that he pulled you off off of, all the relationships that he dissolved that you begged that you wanted to keep all of the things that he have that he freed you of all the addictions that he broke in you all the thoughts that he changed in you all the behaviors that he broke in you in that moment that should be the moment where you say he is worthy of what all the glory all of the honor and all the praise at that moment at that moment, if you are really thinking about the Lord, if you are really thinking about what he's brought you from, at that moment, there should be no, oh my gosh, I'm going to sit here and Jill's just doing a great job. And oh, the sound system's up this week. And not, it wasn't last weekend. I wonder why that is. And oh, oh the, the piano is, is, is um, doing the right thing. And I wonder why they're not playing this. And why she didn't play the guitar. No, 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 no. Forget all of that. Remember him. Honor him. Honor him. Why? Because when you think about that, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the
0: honor and all the praise. Use the tool to express your honor and respect the God who saved you. That portion. Hebrews 9:13 through 14. We read it before.
1: How much more the blood of Christ purify our consciences from our sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God <clears throat> to show respect for Him. Second definition of that word, Luturo, that we're talking about after respect and reverence is to serve or do the service of. Serve or
0: do the service of. <clears throat> When you think serve, I don't know about you, I'm a food person, so I think about a restaurant, a server. How do I serve God? can't really serve him lasagna,
1: like it's in the oven and smells good. So I can serve him by acting in the service of him. Jesus himself deals with this directly in Matthew 4, 8 through 10. I read this passage last week about where Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy came to him and asked him to worship him, right? But let's see. Let's read that again. And I want to read you a different. I want to focus on a different portion of the passage. Next, the devil took him, Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said. If you will kneel down and worship me, kneeling down is a sign of submission. That's what we talked about last week. Get out of here, Satan! Jesus told them. For the scriptures say, "You must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only." That word "worship" here is the same word we read earlier in Hebrews. This has to do with this honor and serving him. Serving the Lord is an act of worship. So what does serving the Lord mean? Next line in your notes. Serving the Lord consists of obeying his commands and following his instructions. Obeying his commands and following his instructions. So if we look at that and go, okay, what are his commands and his instructions? How do I know? Next line in your notes. The best way to know what the Lord wants of us is to read his word.
0: Read his word.
1: What's that mean? I'm about to read you his word and, you, and tell you what Jesus says is what's required of us as his followers. Ready? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he, being Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based upon these two commandments. So serving him means following his instructions and commands. We find his instructions and commands in scripture. And so how do we do this? How do we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Well, your heart points to your will. Next line of your notes. It points to your will, your desires. So when we submit our will to God, similar to last week, when we bow down, we say, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what you want to do. When I when we submit our will to God it is an act of worship. That's how you worship the Lord, your God and love him with your heart. How do you love him with your soul? Well, your soul is the seat of your feelings, desires, and affections. It's also regarded as your moral being. So... um. When we honor the Lord's guidelines and instructions for morality, morality, even when we don't feel like it, it's an act of worship. When we honor the Lord's guidelines and instructions for morality, even when we don't feel like it, it's an act of worship to Him. How do we love Him with our mind? When we adopt God's way of thinking. That means choosing to think about things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, which you can read in Philippians 4, eight. When we adopt his way of thinking instead of our own fleshly desires, it is an act of worship to God. I was raised in a very legalistic church. I was raised in a very legalistic atmosphere where you better do what was been told to you or you're going to get in trouble. You can't question the leadership. You can't question the pastor. You can't ask him a question because that's being disrespectful. You have to follow all the rules. And when you follow all the rules, then God is happy and it turned me into a rule follower. No. My heart to worship him, my reverence for God, the the level of respect that I have for him compels me say, whatever it is you ask of me, I will honor your request. Whatever it is you ask of me, whatever it is you want to give, of course I would give it. Of course I would do it. Of course I would go there. Of course I would say it. Of course I would pull over on the side of the road and feed that person because of the compassion that has been bred inside of me because you have changed me from the inside out. Of course, I will look at the things that are not horrifying. I won't give my mind thinking about lustful things. I won't give my my, my mind thinking about um, uh, things that would pull me in a direction, my attention in a direction that is not honoring to you. I won't do that. And in doing so, it's not just you keeping the rules to prove that you're good enough to be saved and go to heaven and that he didn't waste his sacrifice of his son on you. It is an act of love and worship. Because this is not in your notes, but this is something you should remember. Worship is the action of a rescued heart. Worship is the action of a rescued heart.
0: He made you. He knows,
1: he knows thinking about these destructive things, how they can wreck your life. He knows giving your time to doom scrolling online to find out what the latest conspiracy theory is about the government, what it does to you. Fix your mind on the things that are above, that are pure, that are holy, that are lovely, that have good report. Why? When you do that and turn away from what you want to do and submit to him, honor his requests, follow his instructions, it is an act of worship to him. So if we're doing what he said, that's how we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. So how do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It is by grace you have been saved through faith bless you and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast for we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared for us to do long ago every time well i i should probably not say every time because i'll find some loophole so or i'll find some you know reference where it's not so Almost every time in scripture, when you see that there is a command for you to do good works, it is to treat your neighbor, someone other than you, in the way that God would have you treat them. When you do good works that benefit other people, because your heart is exploding with compassion, empathy, grace, Humility that comes directly from your creator because everything that He has asked of you or that you that to do for others, He has already done and exampled in you. When you do that, it is an act
0: of worship. When you pull to the side of the
1: road and feed the hungry, it's an act of worship. Every time we serve others, Fellow believers in the church, we serve the lost by presenting them the gospel. Next line in your notes, the gospel. When we do that, it is an act of worship. It may fulfill your purpose. It may be satisfying to your heart. It might make you feel fulfilled because that is what God has designed you to do. But ultimately, you are honoring His request. And above how it makes you feel, above the the, the good feeling you get for providing for other people or feeding the hungry or clothing the naked or taking care of the homeless or whatever it is that we're doing to help other people above every other thing. It is an act of worship to God. Do you see now how you can live a life of worship? how worship is not just singing the song in the morning when you get up. It's not just singing it throughout the day. Although those things might be good, they might be good tools for you. They might be alternatives for the keeping your mind on the correct things, keeping your heart from wandering off into the lustful desires. It might be good to keep your spirit in a right place to not make you angry. Those, it might be a good tool, but your act of respect, Honor and service to God is your life's act of worship. Serving Him. That's an act of worship. Psalms 101 through 5. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with, with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter in His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generation. Is it abundantly clear that we're supposed to be serving him and not us? Is it abundantly clear based upon this one passage of scripture, this one psalm, this one song? Does it remind us where we're supposed, who the object of our service is supposed to be? Every time we honor the Lord's requests, instructions, and commands, it is an act
0: of worship. Of worship. What I don't want you to do, I
1: don't want you to start, what I don't want to do is I don't want to instill fear in you. I don't want to instill fear in you. Let me say like this. I don't want to instill the wrong kind of fear in you. Are you saying that when I pray, I, I beseech thee, Lord, I come before thy holy... No, 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 stop. Are you saying that my personality can't come out? No, he made you with that personality. Let it come out. Are you saying that when I, when I, when I, when I sing that I shouldn't lift my hands? No, absolutely lift your hands. Are you telling me that I shouldn't sing loud? No, sing loud. Are you telling me that I shouldn't talk to him the way that I I talk to my father? Absolutely not. I want you to do all of that. I just want it to not wander into disrespect. Because we disrespect authority and the whole foundation of our nation is looking at the authority and being like, forget you, bro, I'm gonna do what I want. King of England, (sighs) there's a little bit of that rebellion in us that would look at authority and say, I don't know if I really want to do that. And I get it. It's useful when the authority is corrupt and wicked. So not to follow that one, when it leads you into sin. But sometimes we put all authority in that bucket and we challenge all of it, including the ultimate authority, which is God. I want us to be people that when we think about the Lord, when we talk about Him, when we pray to Him, when we engage with Him, when we are reading His Word, when we are talking to other people about maybe aspects of the faith that you don't even understand, I want you to approach Him boldly in your time of need But most of you understand the point of talking straight to your father without crossing that line into disrespect.
0: Because the rebellious, arrogant, immature (coughs) heart early in my life did
1: all those things. Well, if you're my dad, this is just how I am. Mm, Really? I never looked at my dad and told him, I'm mouthing off today because it's just how I am. No. Dentist the next day. A little exaggerated, but you get my point.
0: When you do what he's asking
1: you to do, when you serve him, you're actually honoring his request. Let us be people who have a reverence that when we talk about God. Let us be people who have this elevated sense of appreciation when it comes to our Savior, our Creator. Let us have an even higher view of Him than we do of the greatest hero that you could ever imagine.
0: Be the people who live.